My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. All right, men of the 40-plus world of being gay men and part of the gay talk world. Um, I'm so excited to be here with you today and to explore like, okay, what happens when suddenly you've done a hundred things under the sun? You, you've you done some stuff with some pretty major players in the entertainment world, especially somebody who is a big diva in Vegas for quite some time. And then you start realizing being the big diva in your own life is what you really, really want to be. But in a way that brings you to your heart, your soul, your truth, but you had this little thing that's always been that pebble in your shoe. Like, I got to be an author. I got to be an author. I got to be an author. And in that, like, almost Carol Channing kind of voice, like, okay, girl, just get over it and do it already. Well, that's who we're talking to today. Not Carol Channing. I'm not talking about that. But we're talking to an author. His name is Dale Allen Rouse. And he's he's found his way in so many different spaces from being a shaman and writing books and and going from entertainment industry and showing up at this little tiny podcast called 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk to tell us all exactly how we're going to find our way to our spiritual path and help us understand things. And it's going to be a fun conversation. I can already tell from just having talked to him. But um, I want you all to like really tune in, warm up, give him a warm, warm welcome in your own head. Dale Allen Rouse, thank you so much, buddy, for being here and being willing to strip it down and share everything that you've learned. Because I'm going to shut up. You're you're an entertainment guy. You got your own stuff going on. Rick's going to kick back and eat some bonbons, and you just take over the show. So Okay, well, <laughs> don't tempt me with a good time, because I am <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I know you right. are. I know you are. So but first uh, of all, I, just, I wanted to thank you so much for having me on the show. I am a huge fan, and I have really enjoyed you know following your other guests, especially the mm. last one. I really connected with that author in the way that he found his voice, in the way that he explored his own mind through... Yep. The writing of his books it's it's where he found himself and that process for me was also very very true <laughs> so where do you want to begin with the crazy story <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know let's let, okay let's get let's get the big diva out of the way that i referred to so you were part of celine's show in vegas right right yeah, yeah that was a really interesting process because i was with seven different ballet companies over the course of my 18 year career but then you know you become 35 years old and you get tired of jumping up and down anymore you're like okay what else does this entertainment gig have to offer me other than ballet companies right and that's when i started to explore my voice and acting and all of that and i was on broadway for a moment and then celine picked me up uh, as a fellow Canadian, to take mm. me to Belgium to help create her show in Las Vegas, a but new she's, day. She's such a tiny gal. She actually like picked you up. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know? <laughs> no, I actually picked her up. I'm sure you Celine. did. That's what I was kind of like. I'm like, I think he was probably picking Selena, yeah. <laughs> not the reverse. There, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So when I was hired to go and do the show, like it was super exciting. It was like by far the biggest thing I'd ever done in the entertainment world, and it was a real game changer for me but I knew I knew that even at that moment when I got hired by Celine that that was probably my last gig 
in my life where I'm, you know, that physical, where I'm a dancer, where I'm right. jumping up and down, you know, it's just, it, it's too hard on the body to be approaching 40 and still be, you know, making money by that level of physicality. So yeah. I knew going into that, that that was kind of my swan song. It was going to, I was going to leave the entertainment, you know, industry on a high note and I was going to, you know, go off and do other things. And so once we actually got established in the theater in Vegas and we opened the show and it was up and running, that's when I went and got my real estate license. And what's interesting about that is that I didn't know that getting my real estate license and starting to study business manifesting and coaching that I would find spirituality. You would mm. think that dancing would be more closely tied to spirituality and not the business world. But it was in the business world because I had um, a really great start to my real estate career. My first year, I was, you know, top of my class. My second year, I was, you know, I made over half a million dollars. My third year, I was opening my own real estate company. Like, I just had this huge trajectory going right. from dance and Celine into the real estate market in Las Vegas. And that was mm -hmm. really wonderful and everything. Um, and it really was the stepping stone that I was looking to get out of the performing world because if anybody's like I still have lots of friends who are you know 50 something and they're still trying to make the performing world happen and while that might be great for them I just knew that wasn't for me yeah right? and so that's when I um really got into not only real estate but business coaching and the business coaching is what taught me how to chase things down in terms of manifesting your desires, because it's so talked about in that world. Like, where are you going? What are you doing? What are your goals? You know, like it's all manifesting, manifesting, manifesting. And what was the most interesting thing about that is how I was introduced to the world of spirituality in the business coaching like industry. Because uh, by the third year in real estate, like I said, I had my own real estate brokerage firm and I hired 20 agents that were working under me and I was training them in how to be, you know, a real estate agent. And the process was so fascinating that yeah, while I was raised in a very, you know, Christian environment, my father was a Baptist minister and mm -hmm. all that mm -hmm. business growing up, while I was introduced to spirituality and, you know, Christianity as a child, it didn't really start to interest me until I was in the, you know, late, in my late thirties, early forties, right. um, starting to build a career along those lines. Mm. Isn't it interesting the twists and turns that show up? Like if somebody if somebody had told you when you're lifting Celine that you would be like, here I am now, right? <laughs> I mean, if somebody right. had told me, if somebody had told me, and you know, a lot of my listeners heard me say this again, but it's my show, so I'll say it as many times as I want to. But um, if somebody had told me when I came out of the closet in 1999, in the midst of divorce and like, oh my gosh, am I going to even be able to see my kids and all this sort of stuff? that I would have turned it into a business and a podcast and all these things, I would have said, you're fucking crazy. I can't even do figure out how I'm going to you know, live right now. Yeah. It's but I think it's a joke. piece of, yeah, but I think it's a piece of stepping. That was my first toe dip in to my yeah. own spirituality. Like, okay, mm -hmm. you, you've released yourself. You've opened yourself up to, okay, well, I can, if I can be this and I can come out to be my, you know, true self in you know, the gender sexuality space, what else can I open myself up to do? Right. Right. 
it's exactly that. You, if you want to make God laugh, you know, tell him what you're doing tomorrow. You don't right. know what one thing is going to lead to the next. And that's what I love so much about having studied shamanism as long as I have now is, is opening yourself to the flow of life and learning not how to get in your own way, <laughs> quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. 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 So for those, those there, there will probably be some that don't even really understand what shamanism is. And I love what you just said, because it is about opening yourself up to the flow, but like, okay. So Dell Allen Rouse, what is your definition of shamanism? Yeah. So a shaman is the doctor of the soul, mm. but then it also calls into question. What is the soul? So if a shaman is the doctor of the soul, what are they a doctor of exactly? What they're a doctor of is the energy within the body. Mm. I like to think of it almost like um, acupuncture. And you know how they use the needles to direct energy throughout your body, and that's what the needles are doing? Yep. Right. We essentially are doing the same thing on the body, only we don't use needles. We have different, you know, modalities and, right. and um, ceremonies and things that we use for different approaches to healing work but the definition of a shaman is the doctor of the soul okay so you you start to step into this soulfulness of yourself you had some success in some other things but that pebble in the shoe was still screaming i want to be an author i want to be an author i want to be an author so it was it was it was and it wasn't until covid came along that i really got oh, the opportunity that bitch that bitch right? covid did so many things for so many people right <laughs> i shouldn't say that bitch because it actually did so many wonderful things for so many people it, it helped them like a start reset yeah yeah it really was a reset for a lot of people to sit at home with themselves and think about oh hey is this the life i want to be leading <laughs> right because oh and do i want to go back to that life that was that was where the you know rubber hit the road like do i want to go back to that old life so when the um <laughs> apocalypse no covid yeah. <laughs> came along and we were all in our houses like I just knew that um I always had a story in me that I wanted to tell and I wanted to write a book that took people through a series of ahas that I've experienced myself throughout my life um and and write a book where you can't almost help but evolve spiritually as a human right as you're seeing the main character have their ahas you're having the ahas as well and so it was a book that was meant to be developed to not just walk somebody through a really fascinating, sexy, gritty, you know, tale, but also to help show the path towards human evolution of our own mind, to become master and commander of us. And that's what my YouTube channel is all about. If you ever have the opportunity to check out my spiritual disco. <laughs> I love that. I love when you told me that before we, yeah, I love spiritual disco. I mean, you told me that before we came on here. I'm like, Okay, now he's got me completely freaking distracted. Like I just spirit, I'm like, I'm gonna just turn the camera off. You keep carrying the show, Dale. I'm gonna go over to spiritual disco and um I'll catch you later. It's it's a lot. (laughs) But it's really fun because it's where um and it's under the YouTube channel just of my name. It's not under spirit. I call it spiritual disco, but it's because it's me giving my talks to kind of like uh like I I DJ (laughs) like my talks. So it has a lot more energy and interest and I like stop this the music at certain points when i really want to make a point <laughs> exactly of course you know why not right so yeah. but i love that you've taken this and like okay first of all 
there's just such a joy in in your energy. There's such a, and uh, I know you're probably not 100% like this all the time, but none of us, I know I'm not. Everybody's like, gosh, you're, well, actually my friends really call me out. They're like, why aren't you like you are when you're on your podcast around us? I'm like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> if I had to have on, that energy honey. all the time, I would be dead. Well, no, not dead, but I would be really no. tired. No, you know? but I really, I really am like this most of the time. Like yeah, everybody, I can see that. like it's not uncommon for people to tell me I'm a lot <laughs> or extra. I mean, I love it when people call somebody extra. I'm like, well, at least they got extra. You don't. So right, right. <laughs> now we just we just settled that argument. But, yeah, um, but it, I have you know I come from a horrific background of abuse, and I just decided at some point that I was going to leave that in the past, and I wasn't going to let the past color my present or my future. And that was very much what I started to do with my books. And it's like I was talking about your previous author who was on, in the way that he unpacked his mind, in the way that he found alternatives of thinking through writing his book, is exactly the process of what I found for myself when I yep. first sat down to write my book it was an extraordinary process because the moment i decided to do that the name of the book came to me and the name of the main character came to me it downloaded so i don't know like when you've studied spirituality for a long time there's a thing beyond an aha called the spiritual download right where you you yep. get an entire landscape of information delivered to you in one quick second that completely changes what you know about everything and there were so many of those that were happening that I was actually learning from my writing as it was coming out on the page. And it was just coming to me and coming to me and coming to me. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I started writing and then I started writing faster because like all of this information kept flooding my mind that I just knew I needed to get out on the page. And it's really funny. Like if you ever watch me actually write my books, I'm typing as fast as I can. I'm usually crying. <laughs> Because what I'm looking at is the humanity of what's coming out on the page. And I can't help but feel that super deep. It turns out that this process is actually a spiritual practice called automatic writing. I didn't know that that's what I was doing. But it was a gift that I found that was introduced to me through studying shamanism. And let me be really clear. I'm not the kind of shaman who's just running around in my backyard and doing, you know, fairy things. I went to school for shamanism. I study and have an editor for all of my books who has his doctorate in shamanism. This, like any other faith practice is written down somewhere where you can go and study it. So it's not a matter of you just having this wonderful experience, like good for you, okay, go drop acid, okay, you're doing whatever. But that's not shamanism. Shamanism, much like ballet, is very like clear in its directive in how you study and understand its techniques. Well, it's very similar, you know, I remember going through coaching training and everybody's like, oh, it's just something. I'm like, no, there's, there's yeah. some very clear-cut ways that we do things right you know right. one of the things i i mean and one of the reasons i became a coach is because i was having a lot of guys really, let me rephrase that i wasn't having a lot of guys i was having a lot of guys approach me that were coming out of the closet okay sure and saying how did you do this what did you do and i'm like oh i guess i'm coaching people okay i was sharing i was giving advice that's not yeah. coaching and then when I'm like, okay, I, I, and I had been exposed to coaching and I had a lot of people saying, you'd be a really great coach because you have this, this essence, you have this way of hearing helping people see what they can't see. I'm like, okay, but I feel like I'm just telling them what to do. And they're like, yeah, that's not what coaching does. 
you help them find the answer. You may give examples like, hey, can I share something that worked for somebody else? And I remember when I got into coaching training, I'm like, oh, shit, this is kind of hard. Yeah. Because I was having to learn to shut up. Right. You know, and not like, oh, no judgment. What is it? You know, helping them find things. And the same thing with shaman. I mean, I have a, a, quite a few people who, like you, who have gone through the practicing and the study right. and learning. And it's not just, oh, let's hang out. <laughs> Let's hang a sarong and say, here, I'm a shaman, right? That's not yeah. what it is whatsoever. Yeah. There's all there's a whole way through this modality. So. Right. But it was interesting is that I found it by way of discovering this automatic writing. I found shamanism through the voice of um, inkling that was directing mm. my thoughts on the book. And because nice. I was becoming really clear that this channel would open up before me, that it was like a movie screen in my mind, right? And I just start taking notes as fast as I can because the information comes in so fleeting and it's coming out onto the page and I'm learning from it page after page after page of just chasing inkling, right? That's that's shifting itself and forming itself into this incredible tale. And I learned how to trust that inkling, that voice, that thing that was directing me. And the thing it kept saying the most was go study shamanism. I had, um, growing up, I had two cousins who lived on a reservations with my uncle who was full blood First uh, Nations indigenous Canadian. Mm. So my upbringing, I was being raised in this very, very homophobic Christian environment, but my cousins were being raised in this other place with this whole different world of spirituality that always, always, always set my imagination on fire, right? And so when I started writing my books, it kept taking me over to that other place to the point where it was like, okay, now I've written, I, I'd written two books on shamanism, never having taken the class at this point. And that's when I went and found my editor who has his doctorate in shamanism. And I took the books to him. I'm like, I don't understand what this is. I don't understand how I know this. I don't know if it's nonsense. Like, will you check it out? And he, he read through it and he was like, this is core shamanism. 101 he was like this is exactly what we teach and i'm like well how do i like it was just so it, it was almost scary <laughs> to be honest because i didn't understand like what was happening to me at that time and um, flash forward then i get into training for shamanism and i'm in class you know learning about all these different things but the most important thing that they teach i believe is that everybody has a gift everybody does and they take everyone into the class and we kind of discover for ourselves where our gifts lie and we find that space by getting super quiet and listening and listening to where our natural guides want to take us on this planet and where they want to take us to teach us. Now, I came in kind of already knowing my gift, but it was that was the best thing that I ever saw was to watch the other students who hadn't identified that thing within them yet that was special and unique, right? And watching them like pull it from themselves. And so right. then once we all kind of had our 
you know, main course of study. And for some people that's ancient songs and drumming, right? Um, for other people, it's ceremony. For other people, yeah. it's tracking animals. For other people, it's uh, working in the psychopomp world, which is the space between life and death, working with the dead, right? You know, or tarot card readings. There's just so many different ways that you can express yourself through shamanism, but it's all found in the channel of information that we as Westerners no longer have access to, but can. And I've had to learn how to open that part of me to the channel of information that the indigenous people used in order to better understand their surroundings, in order to better track those animals, in order to better have conversations with the plants. Like these kind of things are just so foreign to us that you're like, what? You can have a conversation with a plant? Well, mm. yes and no, because it's not a conversation like in words. It's a conversation in spirit. It's a conversation and exchange of energy that we in the Western world, again, have closed off to ourselves. But there's an entire world there that each and every one of us can pop into and explore the psychopomp world, explore talking to the dead, explore talking to plants, explore, like there's just so much. And you, I, like, you don't have to take my word for it. Go, go and sit with powerful medicine people powerful medicine people who have no access to low dense vibrations because in their world there is no bad in their world there is no evil in their religions there is no evil so it's never a push and pull of good and bad and right and wrong it's never it never lives for them in the ego everything lives with them in the present moment and what actually is Evil is a thought construct. Evil doesn't exist anywhere outside of the human mind. You can't walk into nature and point out evil because it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so when we can learn how to drop all the evil and bad in this world and live in the place of the indigenous people, which is just all, all, all of it, every single word that they utter is high vibration. They don't have the ability or access to, you know, the things that we see as normal in terms of, you know, scoffing at others or like all this ego stuff or telling people off or being angry or treating others with disrespect. Go sit in those circles. Go sit in a circle where there, the paradigm shift that we as Westerners are trying to get to has already occurred. And it, it mm -hmm. has occurred within the indigenous communities. So powerful because if we put ourselves, so it's kind of like if we put ourselves in other people's experiences and shoes, we get so much more of a broader look and purview of the world. Unlike, yeah, like, unlike our Supreme, unlike our Supreme court. <laughs> today. <Yes. laughs> so for those of you listening, we record this today that once again, the Supreme court decided that, well, you know, the LGBTQ community, they're not that important in the world by siding with this bimbo who decided she was going to build a website, which didn't really happen. And they're going to say because of her Christian values, she can't do this. So, OK, Rick's well, on, let's 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 look at that for a second. What yeah. are her Christian values that do right. not allow others to love one another? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's that called? Oh, it's in my work, it's called, you know, bigotry, discrimination, hate, all these other things. I mean, there is right. no Christian value to that. That is Christian values. Let's not get it flipped. Yeah. I, I'm tired of saying Christian values are a good thing. 
when Christian values lead us to this nonsense. And I'm sorry, but I will call it out. I'm done. I'm done. Having had a Baptist minister father where I arrive at his funeral and my mother tells me that it's me being gay that killed him. If that's Christian values, I want nothing to do with it because it reeks an awful lot like white supremacy. Yep. Anything that doesn't look like me, talk like me, act like me, uh, you don't belong on the planet. So bye-bye. It is yeah. it is as bigoted white supremacy as it comes. And but this I'm is with the message. you. I'm just so over this. I'm, I try to and like, we go, need okay, to be let's done. have a conversation. We yeah. need to be more done. We yeah. need to be more done. This is not done enough. Mm-mm. We have not called it on the carpet, and we need to start doing so. Yep, I agree. It's and it's so frustrating because somebody somebody said to me the other day when I kind of I got on a little bit of a rant before this even happened. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm tired of like, you know, people saying, oh, we think you're great. But then behind my back, I know they're like, we're going to go vote for these things that take his rights. away. I'm done with that. Yeah. Don't you don't get to be, be too yeah. faced with me. Yeah. You just no, and I'm don't. giving everybody permission who is with can hear our voices to be done as well. You yep. do not need to tolerate that. How would we deal with a book that labeled people of color as an abomination? How would Mm -hmm. we deal with a book that called Jewish friends an abomination? How would we deal with that? How much institutionalized racism do you expect your black friends to put up with? How much institutionalized anti-Semitism do you expect your Jewish friends to put up with? How much institutionalized homophobia do you expect your gay friends to put up with? And if there's one of those answers that's different than the other two, we still have work to do. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of work to do, Yeah, you know, and somebody said to me like, okay, well, you're, you, you, and I wanted to slap him. I probably should have. Well, you present yourself as this very evolved coach. I said, I didn't ever say I was a very evolved coach. I'm like, I feel like I'm in an evolution on a daily basis. I'm always evolving. But, but there comes a point. Yeah. So I, I said, but he says, well, you take these stands and everything, but then you come off and you get really, you know, like boisterous about this stuff. I'm like, yeah, because I'm pissed. I'm pissed yeah. off. Just this because is- I'm evolved doesn't mean I can't be pissed off. Doesn't mean I can't stand my ground. Doesn't mean I can't say I am not going to put up with this. We need to understand the spirituality of anger. Anger exists for a very real reason. Anger exists to let you know when your personal boundaries have been crossed. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that you get to keep that personal boundary where it is, but it does mean you need to take a look at it. And if it's a valid stance, then you should, you know, stand up for yourself. There's no more going back in the closet. There's no more erasing us, you know, through laws and this other marginalization. And what's happening is, is that the homophobia, the institutionalized homophobia of many faith communities that all operate with literature that says we shouldn't exist, right, is being put to the test. It's being put to the test and they are going to fight like hell. Why? Because I believe, I personally believe this is the mountain, the hill that Christianity is willing to die on. Well, I believe too, and I said this on a podcast, I think, no, yeah, on a podcast the other day, I said, here's why they get so one of the reasons I believe they get so intense about this. They can't they can't stand that other people can experience joy in a way that they don't experience joy. They well, can't it's just all about they, control. It's yeah. all about control. Every yeah. bit of it. Every yeah. bit of it is about control. And when they can't control it, 
then they got to find a way to make sure that they can control it. And I'm sorry, I don't remember reading anywhere in the Bible that Jesus said, thou shalt control other people. Well, we need to just stop looking at the Bible as, you know, being right. of love and, and light. If you have not read the Bible, I would encourage you to do so. I know it front to back, and I will take on any challenge. Because if you're not aware that the Bible has clear instructions on how to murder your wife, on your wedding night, if you don't think that she's a virgin, then you need to start reading a little bit more. If you're not aware of all the things, like the fact that women shouldn't have the right to speak or teach is what mm -hmm. the Bible says. Yep. If you're okay with misogyny, if you're okay with human atrocities, if you're okay with homophobia, have at it. Guess what? I want none of those things in my life. And you don't get to ask me to sign off on that as a good thing. It's not a good thing. No, I will never, I will never, never sign off on it. And I think this is part of, you know, each of us finding our pathway to our truth, living in the way that we want to. And as gay men, this is sometimes a space where you cannot let what held you back from the past in your past, keep holding you back. Right. I many mean, how of us. Many more, how many more generations of young queer kids are going to be raised in faith communities where they're told they were an abomination? I mean, yep. How many more generations are we going to damage? Enough already. The Bible must be changed or it must be removed from public spaces. Those are the only two options that we can accept moving forward. That's how the, the black people would handle it. If there was a book that said black people shouldn't exist, mm -hmm. that's how the Jewish people would handle it. Mm -hmm. If there was a book that said Jewish people shouldn't exist, right. we don't have to put up with it. And right. we have been, you know, like marginalized long enough. And it's time to say no more. It's time to say Christianity has done nothing good for the gay community in the entire arc of our history. Yes, there have been, you know, few instances here and there. But there were a hundred years of conversion therapy where we were lobotomized that nobody's talking about. However, I did write a book about it. <laughs> Well, that was a great segue there, Dale. I love how you did that. Because I'm like, okay, so I got to work this like book writing in at some point along the way. Okay. So there we okay. go. That's how the master does it right there. So, but you're right. You I mean, really, really quickly to this whole Christian thing. It's, it's, you know, I, I want, I do believe in something greater than myself. I'm never going to well, say so I don't. Do I. I'm a shaman. Like, come on. Like, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, to buy into anything that continues to diminish and demoralize any community because we're, and, and I've had these conversations in my own family, like just recently I had one of these conversations in a very loving way, like, hey, I'm glad that works for you. That doesn't work for me. And you can send me whatever you want to send me, but I'm not going to give it any energy. Right. I'm literally not going to give it any energy. And that was the first time I actually like really in a very powerful way stood up to it. Yeah. But what I find so disheartening, so I'm going to, because you've brought this up, if somebody could listen to this, that's not part of our world, and go, well, see, they're going to say, take the Bible away, take this away. So why, why are they so upset when we're taking books away that we don't agree with? I'm like, because that's the point we're trying to make. You're trying to take all these books away that say, here's what is. If you want the Bible and that's what you want to ascribe to, go for it. Go do that. That's your right. You have every right to do that. But do not say that then... The Bible is the only thing that can be left in a school classroom because I ain't going to ascribe to that. I am not because that's where no, it, it's, it's just so screwed up. 
Yeah, I, again, it, pe people who are saying that that the Bible is good haven't read the Bible. That, that I'm just going to leave it there. Yep. If you yep. don't know what's in the Bible, go read it immediately. There is just, I mean, one human atrocity after another. I mean, from eating your and boiling children, like there are 76 verses in the Bible dedicated to murdering babies. There are 25 verses dedicated to murdering your own child. Like, really? This is, I mean, this is the, again, as, as a shamanic practitioner, I try and look at everything as an energy signature. What's the energy signature of the Bible? Read it. Mm -hmm. Find mm -hmm. out for yourself. Don't and let don't, anybody. Don't hand cherry pick what you want to use. Right. Read it. Read it. And read Dell's books. There's my yeah. segment. <laughs> All right, back to conversion therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Here we go. Uh, but so like, okay, so you had this moment in the pandemic, things start coming again. And then the pebble in the shoe finally said, quit stepping on me. And now you start writing these books. Right. And so the first book that I wrote was kind of loosely based off of my life ex um, escaping extremely horrific Christian abuse. I mean, mm -hmm. the mental uh, abuse that I survived at the hands of my parents is just, I mean, mind numbing. And that's why, you know, I, I had to develop a spiritual practice for myself in order to just get that into a right size so that I could just go throughout my day. So I come from this horrible um, background of, you know, very Christian abuse um, against gay people. Yep. And, um, when I was writing the first book, like I said, I really wanted it to be uh, a series of ahas that I would write, that I would uh, walk the reader through, kind of as I have done throughout the course of my life. And it really deals in, you know, me escaping my family, to running away and being a sex worker, to, you know, just finding my way in the world. Now, my first book is about Jack. It's not about Dale. It's not about me. Right. It's about a fictional character that I put transposed a lot of my life experience onto a fictional character because I really wanted to, you know, kind of blow it up in a way, like make it the movie version of my life, not my actual right. life, because who cares? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's a really fun, uh, fast paced tale that it's dark, it's gritty, it's sexy, it's, um, you know, very gay. And uh, anyways, it's, it's a super fun read. But that was the beginning of a trilogy, and the trilogy is called Journey of a Dark Shaman. And books one and two are already available on Amazon. Book three will be out soon. Uh, nice. But that was kind of my first entree into writing and discovering this weird ability that I have. Like, I use my keyboard like a Ouija board. I don't know how else to explain it. My fingers just find their way across the keyboard as I'm taking notes of what's happening in my mind, as I'm learning from it, as it's coming out onto the page. And just page after page after page of me having these high-level ahas. In shamanism, we do what's called being the hollow bone. And that mm. practice of being the hollow bone is how you empty yourself from yourself. And it's in the emptying of yourself from yourself that you allow for the new to come in, new information, new experiences that I'm learning from. So that was my uh, that was the trilogy. But then I got approached by this 
by somebody to do this series and it's super fun and it's set in 1886 which is the same year that conversion therapy was ever first coined as a phrase and it's the same year that Nikolai Tesla left pre-Nazi Austria to go to America and where the the story picks up is where because uh, the whole thing is told from Nikolai Tesla's um, secret lover called Melvin Vaughn and the the story actually starts with Nikolai leaving for America and leaving Melvin behind as the local authorities are cracking down on gay expression because it was the first year that conversion therapy was ever in existence. And so they started, you know, punishing queer expression in their community. And <clears throat> anyhow, it's Melvin running around and saving these young men from being lobotomized, which is <clears throat> what they did with gay men back in the day. And so how do you feel now having written book and the pebbles know, well, it's probably barking in different ways now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after my first book, I'm like, okay, cool. That's done well, but is it going to sell? Are people buying? And I'm like, right. well, what's book number two? And then, you know, it's like the monkey mind starts to go all over again in different ways. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm really happy with my books. Now my series um, is episodic and each book is about a hundred pages. It's kind of, and it has pictures and it's meant to be fun, almost like a, uh, a picture book for adults. Right. But it's, it takes on very heavy topics. Obviously this is dealing with conversion therapy. <laughs> so, cool. but we'll just keep continuing with the series. I have four books out now on uh, Amazon. I have a fifth book written. And so I'm, you know what I do is as, as I'm learning more and more, I just keep putting it into my books. So I don't think my books will ever stop because my learning will never stop. No, and that's the thing. I don't think, I don't think we ever stop learning and given everything that keeps coming at us, like everything everywhere all at once right now is coming at us. I think it's a beautiful thing for any of us to grow and learn from. And those of us who are the creatives are like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I'm it's like, bring it on. It's great material. I can yep. still, you know, I, I feel like every time, like I just finished writing my second book and I was like, okay, well, of course I don't have a publisher or anything. I'm like, well, that's okay. We're going to get there. But I'm like, okay, so now the next book, I'm like, well, bitch, you got to right. let's get the cover on that one. But I, I'm already <laughs> thinking on like, you know, this next one that I want to do. And I'm, I'm starting to lean towards like, um, beginning to think, okay, I've got, Frankly, my dear, I'm gay, which is my story and some ways to come out of the closet when you're midlife. The new book is really the broad brushstroke of how to live your life unapologetically it has nothing to do with the LGBTQ community, except everything in it is a, what I've learned being part of the LGBTQ plus community. Right. Um, but I'm starting to lean more towards because of this podcast, like I really want to start writing some simple, poignant get off your ass, do your thing as a gay man sort of series of books. Yeah. You know? you know what I'm feeling really called to do is to be a ghost writer for guys who want to tell their stories of conversion therapy. I mm. would love, love, love to use my abilities as a shamanic practitioner to hold the hand of young men and walk them down into the depths of their trauma and have them tell me their story and then let me write it because we need to build a, a, a wall, right? We need to build um, a monument to what we have been put through by way of conversion therapy. Our stories need to be told. 
That is important. More, They need to be made into movies because our stories are harrowing. If you read my story of how I was running down the street as my mother is trying to get me in the car to take me to fucking conversion, sorry, conversion therapy and screaming at me that God is going to get you, like that is a scene in a movie that needs to be shown. It is. And the thing is, Dale, is there's so many similar stories to that, but each one is so uniquely... Yeah. different you know right. i mean i mean and i know we need to wrap up here soon but my i didn't go through actual conversion therapy but i came in my own way i did right. mom and dad sent me off to talk to the pastor of the church and right. i'm like okay well maybe this is you know blah blah blah. But, but what is the messaging of you being told to go talk to your pastor exactly. what is the message being told to your soul yes that you're not good you're go. you right. know you're not good enough you need that to be you're converted damaged. you need you're damaged you you're not worthy all these right. things right And that's why, you know, every morning I wake up and I go sit in my corner of you're not worthy and cry through that. So I'm like, no, I'm kidding. But there are days, there are days I'm like, oh my gosh, when I went like writing the book and getting this next book out, yeah, little Ricky is sitting right there going, why why are you doing this? No one's going to read it, you know, because there's that other piece of your soul that's Uh like, okay, trying to still shut that crap down. So. Yeah. But again, I really feel like my next thing is telling our collective community stories. If there's anybody who wants to write their story of conversion therapy, but Mm. doesn't know how, doesn't know how to get started. I am a very proficient writer. And all you have to do is tell me your story and allow me to turn it into a book. Uh, Because that like I get so much out of that because I have the tools having studied energy work to walk people through down into the depths of their soul and learn and learn what's there. There are gifts. And I so grateful that I had the opportunity to write my story and learn what was in the basement of my personal hell, because guess what? That's where all the really amazing learning is you to the point where i look at my parents as angels they took me to the depths of my soul nobody else did that for me but they did and i feel like that was the purpose that they had in my life to show me the depths of my own humanity that's powerful well dale thank you so much for being part of this conversation and the energy and the things you've done and you've given so many pathways to finding who you want to be as not only as a soul, but as a human, as a being, as a gay man, that I hope some of the guys that listen, like, okay, if that bitch can do it, I can do it too. So, right. Yeah. But um, so if somebody wants to connect up with you, what's the best place for them to go find? I mean, I know we have the YouTube channel, there's stuff there, but throw out like a website, YouTube channel stuff, just so people know. And super easy. So everything that I'm on social media, YouTube, my website, it's all Dale Allen Rouse. So www.daleallenrouse.com or anywhere on social media at Dale Allen Rouse. That's D-A-L-E-A-L-L-E-N-R-O-W-S-E. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And guys, Listen to what's been shared, take in what works for you and realize you can break free and go do and be how you want to be in the world and trust yourself to take those leaps of faith. So thanks again, Dale. So appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. 
Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk, where the conversations continue.